0: So a week ago on Thursday, maybe some of you were here, we sat, and I wasn't here, but I know people sat, and wherever we were, we all went to bed thinking that Friday was just going to be another day, right? Another ordinary day. But of course, by Friday night, the world had once again changed. As it seems to do periodically. You know, it's not that it's never has done this. But all of a sudden I remember I was travelling and I brought up I hadn't been online very much and I brought up my email and I get earthquake reports in my email. And it was just like report after report after report for Honshu, Japan, you know, six, six five, you know, till finally the big one. And it was pretty amazing and um, and of course the reports came in and you know thousands of people dead we still don't know how many and Japan is still shaking I'm still getting earthquake reports in my email and you know we knew that the reactors were probably damaged although at that point we didn't know how badly and you know, you just sort of sit back and ah, it's so stunning and surprising and um, I find it, you know, often quite overwhelming just to look at the pictures and try to take it in. So when I was a child, you know, I often asked that question that children ask. And I would say, what happens when you die? What happens when you die? And I grew up in the bosom of an East Coast, rather socialist, religion is the opiate of the masses kind of family. So they were determinedly agnostic, not to say atheistic. And so they would say, well, that's it. Nothing. Here it's over. Which for a little kid is a really huge thing to say. And I would lie in bed and sort of try to imagine suddenly becoming nothing. And uh, I usually manage to scare myself quite silly and I'd have to get up and open the hall door to let a little light in to prove that I really was still there. And of course it's co- completely counter to where you are developmentally as a child. As a child you're all about becoming something. And it stayed with me. It stayed with me all my life, actually. It's, of course, still there, and now it's getting quite real. Um, and it, it was scary for a long, long time. It still is sometimes. And, but I realized at some point that this was a teaching for me. That actually I was angry for many, many years that my parents had done this. But then, as time has gone, I, I felt, oh, they really gave me they gave me what in the Zen world would be called a koan, you know, sort of an unsolvable riddle that the mind keeps struggling with. Later on, um, as a young woman, I was involved teaching some retreats in the Christian world, and one evening I went to a meeting of a group of us who were preparing the retreat, and Somebody came in, and she was a nurse, and she'd spent the afternoon with a very young woman who had found out very suddenly that she was dying, and proceeded to do so, and was terrified, absolutely terrified, you know, panicked and fighting it, and and told the story of how how scary and difficult it had been, and and I remember sitting there thinking, ah. Oh, you know, was that what will happen for me? And is that what it's like? Um, you know, do I want to die like that? And will I die like that? And when will I die? When will it happen? And, you know, all those people who woke up in Japan that day and thought that they were just going to have a life. You know, they ate their breakfast or whatever. And and then suddenly the life isn't there, or most of the people in it are gone, or, or even this morning. You know, I pick up the paper. I still get the Sentinel because it's nice to know the local news, and um, there it is on the headlines of the paper. Somebody had drowned at Mavericks yesterday. A fellow, a surfer who came over here from Hawaii just to surf, and and this is a guy who really knew what he was doing. Loved to surf. Had won contests was out there doing what he knew to do very well and then suddenly not there. So this is the core of the Buddha's teaching, this place. It's really the heart of it, the teaching on impermanence. And the Buddha says, all you know is if you have breathed in you will breathe out. The reverse is not true. If you have breathed out, maybe you will breathe in. But if you have breathed in, at the very least, you will breathe out. And, And he says, if you begin to understand how incredibly impermanent everything is, this is a core insight. This is worth a lot when you really begin to see it. So even though it's hard to see, sometimes it takes our breath away every time that we're willing to sit with that place of impermanence, in whatever form it comes, it's actually really helpful in terms of waking up. When we don't understand it, when we can't let go into it, that creates enormous suffering. And we all know that place where we try to hold on to something to keep it exactly the way it's been. Please don't let it change. But does it Stay the same, no, it never does. It changes and and it shifts. And that holding on is what creates the suffering, creates an enormous amount of suffering in our lives. And often, also when we don't understand about impermanence, that's the place where we can create a really strong sense of self. You know, this is me and I'm here for forever. You know, I Mary Grace, I'm going to go on, you know, after I die and then I'm gonna go someplace and I'm gonna be there and actually if you carry it out too far it begins to be a little scary. It's like, Oh no, I don't wanna be Mary Grace for that long. I don't think so. But you know, there's that sense that we try to create of holding on to something that will continue. Buddhist cosmology says you know that we're one of a world system. world systems arise and pass away and it's really interesting because modern cosmology says the same thing you know they're they're one of the figures that I just love there There are stars that are as big as our entire solar system, imagine that are dying, you know, and so they've been here they've been stars now they're they're called they're called red giants, and some at some point they'll completely implode, and they'll be gone. They'll, then you go. I think if I have it right, you go from being a red giant to a white dwarf, or maybe even a black dwarf, where there's just nothing left but a little cinder, you know. So so we see that even even worlds, we know that this world, this sun, will and too many years, but maybe five billion, something like that, will also die. And so it's not just our own personal impermanence, it's everything, it's everything. And it's interesting because I'm fascinated, you know, here we have all this impermanence, we have tsunamis and hurricanes and earthquakes coming and going, people who suddenly die and at the same time we're absolutely fascinated by it, right? I mean the minute there's some storm system you know, there Anderson Cooper is one more time with his hood on and his bundled up and he's telling you how terrible it is here and wherever it is he is (laughs) and and, you know, I, I said something to my husband yesterday, I said you know does Anderson Cooper have a life and Russell said to me he said Anderson Cooper is five different people. <laughs> he's got several lives and he's in several places all at once. I don't know. Maybe. So but we're fascinated and we track storm systems and we track earthquakes and 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 I think some of it's because it isn't controllable, right? We we really want to want things to stay stable and we want them to be predictable and it's not. It's not. And that too is part of the Buddha's teaching that it's not it's not controllable, you know. It's all arising out of causes and conditions, influences that we don't even know. And all we get to do is watch the passing show. You know. Joseph Goldstein used to say that in his in his instructions to us, you know, you're just watching the passing show, the things that come and go. It's not ultimately personal. It's just happening. So a very good friend faced with her own death a number of years ago now, almost 15 years I guess, after a really sweet summer cookout late one night I took her back to her house and I remember her standing there in her door, she had a really pretty blue skirt on and a red bandana over her bald head. And she said, we are all so fragile, especially me. Because she was very fragile in that time. And you know, look around, right, the room. We're all fragile, every one of us, especially each one of us. All of us will die Probably not everyone in this room will make it to really advanced old age. Maybe, but maybe not. And someone, even here, sitting here, could be gone by next week, or even tomorrow morning. We just, we really don't know. It's not morbid. Sometimes people say to me when I give these talks, it's so morbid. It's not morbid. It's actually really, really helpful. It's in the nature of things, and when we connect to it, When we look around and realize, oh, there's Lael. She's so fragile. And she's here. She's still here. Yay! She had a cold earlier this week. I happen to know that. She's still here. Right? This is very cool. And Kirsten, you know, and Andrea. And so you're here, even despite all of our fragility. And it's very, very precious that we're still here. In the classic teachings, it's considered to be very rare to get a human incarnation. Probably many of you know that image, you know, they say it's like, they used to say it was an oxbow, I think of it as a life preserver, floating around on all of the oceans of the world, somewhere on all of those oceans, we have a lot of oceans. And somewhere in all of those oceans, there's a blind sea turtle. And so your chance of getting a human incarnation is about as good as that blind sea turtle coming up right in the middle of the life preserver. So this does not sound like it happens very often. And actually, I used to think, oh, you know, that's just one of those images. But this is another place where really thinking about the enormity of the cosmos, you know, how rare it is for there to be a planet that has the ability to sustain life. So, And then for it to be the kind of life that evolves into trees and snakes and dogs and cats and people, my gracious, very, very rare, very, very rare. So that actually that image might even be fairly accurate, that you know, to be a sentient being with consciousness is extraordinarily precious. And it's an invitation to not waste a minute. Don't waste a minute. And we waste so many minutes, right? I mean, I'll bet I wasn't the only person who spaced out here and there tonight as we sat here on our cushion. And we came here specifically to be present. But the mind drifts off and then you have to bring it back. And it's such a strong and important training to learn how to be here. The monks have this fabulous practice that I like to talk about as often as I can. It's called the Five Recollections. So the Five Recollections are these. I am of the nature to age, I have not gone beyond aging. I am of the nature to sicken, I have not gone beyond sickness. I am of the nature to die, I have not gone beyond dying everything that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise. All of my stuff, all of my people, all I have is my karma. All I have is the actions and the consequences of my actions. That's all that will remain after I go are the reverberations of my actions for a while. so as I pondered the events of the week, of course, you know, and particularly as things have continued to unfold, and all of the stuff with the reactors and what's going to happen, and why did it happen, and who's paying attention, and are we hearing the truth or are we not hearing the truth, and you know, all of that—it's a lot. But and there's lots of opinions, right? You know, everything from we have to have nuclear power still. We still have to figure it out because this is how to get around global warming and all the other people you know who are saying no, 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 it's not containable. We don't know how to work with that, and maybe we should do something else other than nuclear power. I actually remember some years ago. I don't know whether she's been talking about it recently, but Joanna Macy who's a wonderful teacher in this lineage up in Berkeley, an older woman now, passionately involved in the world, passionately involved when the Chernobyl incident happened. And she had this whole thing that she called the Nuclear Guardianship Project. And the notion was, and this wasn't even about things, this wasn't about reactors, this was only about what to do with the leftover waste, and that we would find places to put it where people would come to practice and to be the guardians of this terribly potent, difficult energy. You know, I don't think it ever got off the ground. But when I even think about it, or not to say talk about it, I could feel you know I get little chills going up my spine. And what an amazing thing. And and so you see that to work with that kind of energy would require that kind of attention. You know, imagine if people built nuclear reactors who felt that it was a practice to take care of them and it was a practice to protect all of the beings. But what happens often is that, that decisions and actions get made, they get made in a hurry, they get made kind of short sightedly, we're not really paying attention. You know, well, we don't think there'll ever be a tsunami big enough to go over that seawall. Mm, probably not true. Seems to be not true. It's not just them, though, is it? It's all of us. It's all of us. We all make those kinds of decisions. Maybe not in such big ways, maybe in little ways, maybe with your best beloved or in your work situation or in what you choose to do with your life. And it's the karma of our actions. It's remembering that every action has its consequence. Every action will reverberate, quite possibly, long after you are gone. You know, as I often say, here we are sitting 2,500 years after the Buddha, still talking about the Buddha. That's reverberation, right? That's amazing to think that that we are doing that. So it's important to ask questions. You know, is this a skillful action? Will this cause harm to myself or to any other being? If I don't know, do I go ahead and do it anyway? You know, how, how do we really take those things into consideration. So when, you know, when there are these big, literally earth-shaking events that create such a, um, an impact on our hearts and minds, one of the good things is that they cause us to stop and to think you know there's always that side of it can we can we take this as a teaching this is a, this is an amazing teaching the tsunami that happened a few years ago was a powerful teaching every time there's a teaching there's something to be learned and to be paid attention to and and remembering because it really brings it right up in front of us how incredibly fragile we are is part of that teaching now we forget that we forget that It takes so little, it takes so little to bring a life to an end. So I really invite you to contemplate your own mortality, your own impermanence, as we look at the evidence, the the, the events of last week, as we see those pictures to try not to turn away from them, but to take them in. Maybe don't overwhelm yourself, I found that I have to kind of look and then not look and look and then not look. But to take it in and to respond in that place of open-heartedness and compassion, and then to see if in taking in that awareness of impermanence then some increased wisdom will arise. So I thought I'd close with a poem that I've always loved. It's from Jane Kenyon, who died of leukemia some years ago now. It's called Otherwise. She says, I got out of bed on two strong legs. It might have been otherwise. I ate cereal, sweet milk, ripe, flawless peach. It might, have been otherwise. I took the dog uphill to the birchwood. All morning I did the work that I love. At noon I lay down with my mate. It might have been otherwise. We ate dinner together at a table with silver candlesticks. It might have been otherwise. I slept in a bed in a room with paintings on the walls and planned another day just like this day, but one day I know it will be otherwise. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.